When people say something, sometimes we either hear differently or we interpret it based on how we feel. And many times, the reason why we can't unlock what God has in store for us is because we are not hearing him correctly. It's not because he's not speaking. Turn your Bibles to the book of Job chapter 33 verse 14. Let me show you a scripture that I stumbled upon recently. Job 33 verse 14. For God, many speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. Another version says God speaks every time in different ways. I actually love that version. It says God speaks every time in different ways, but man does not perceive it. So the fact that you're not hearing or what God is saying is not because God is not speaking. He's even speaking and he has spoken and he has said many things in many ways. He wants you to get it. He says it in a simple way. He says it in the way you will understand, but you do not perceive it. And as I was looking at the people that God gave uncommon favor to in the Bible, I thought about a gentleman called Samuel. And I want to tell you a little bit about Samuel. Or the few things I've learned about Samuel beyond what I knew about Samuel this week or this month, particularly in the last few days. The man Samuel was a man that was favored of God. The man Samuel was a man that God loved because his mom asked for him and God gave this kid to the mom. It was very obvious. If you turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2, there's something special about this guy. In the midst of all the problems that was happening with all the other young people around, there was something that was said about Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. The Bible says, can I have that scripture, please, if you don't mind? It says, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and with men. Uncommon amount of favor with the Lord and with men in the midst of darkness, in the midst of problems. However, I didn't stop there. First Samuel chapter 3, verses 19 through 2. 21. Let's read that together and I'll link them together in a minute. Man is also chastened with a pain on his bed and with strong pain in his bone. The next verse. No, I don't think you're reading the right one. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. And Samuel grew, is how it started. It says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his word fall to the ground. This guy grew at the beginning in chapter 2. And he had favor with men and God. By the time we're reading about him as an adult, he was a child then. By the time we're reading about him as an adult in the next chapter, I mean years after, as an adult, the Bible says none of his words fell to the ground. That is uncommon. That is every single thing he said. Even if God did not want to do it before, just because he said it, God did it. That's a very uncommon place to be. That's a very special place to be with God. So why was this guy special? Is it just because God asked, his, his mom asked of him from God? Let's turn our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through to 10 together. We're going to read every verse together. I want us to read it together. I want to, I want to have your full attention. Let's go. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at the time while Eli was lying down in his place. Pause. Another version says at the time where Eli was lying down in the temple. Very important. If the Bible you own is yours or the Bible you have is yours, underline it while he was lying down in the temple. And when his eyes had begun to grow dim, Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Next verse. 
before the lamp of the Lord went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of the God was, while Samuel was lying down, and the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here I am. Next verse. So he ran to Eli and said, here am I, for you called. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and laid down, the next verse. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call, my son, lie down again, next verse. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. Pause. This guy was born in church. This guy's mom brought him to church. This guy lived in church. This guy slept in church. This guy served the man of God. This guy, the Bible said the previous chapter that it was full of favor. But here it says, go to the next verse. Don't go to the previous verse, please. Thank you. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Samuel was in church. Samuel was serving. Samuel was promised. Samuel had loads and loads of words that God had spoken over him, but he didn't know the Lord. Nor was the word of God revealed to him yet. So Samuel had a measure of favor upon his life in chapter 2. But the word of God was not yet revealed to Samuel. Samuel had not yet done some things, so he stayed at that measure. Then the word was released to him. Then he did a few things, and the Bible in chapter 3, towards the end, talked about how he then got to a point where the favor upon his life was so great that if he says anything, God just has to do it. Let's continue. Let's go to the next verse, please, if you don't mind. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Next verse. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go and lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. If the Bible you have with you is yours, you can underline that as well. Speak, Lord for your servant here. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place and then we know the story continued from there because God spoke to Samuel. Samuel had God and he came to Eli the next day and Eli said, what did God say? And this boy was able to open his mouth and tell Eli exactly what God said without mixing stories. He was about 12, 13 years old. Actually, it was a very tough message to pass on to Eli. If God wanted to speak to Eli, God would have told Eli, God spoke to Samuel. He didn't tell Eli. God told Samuel that he's upset with Eli's children because Eli never corrected his children. And God said, I've had enough. And he worries me and bothers me that God did not tell Eli. He really bothers me. It took a while for me to understand and settle that as I kept meditating on it. It's, it's possible to be a bad dad and for God not to tell you, you're a bad dad. However, having said that, if you look back at chapter 2, there were different times that people were warning Eli and saying, your children are misbehaving. So God never leaves you without any form of correction. You can choose not to obey, but he will never leave you. He just let you just run riot as you like and then punish you. God doesn't do that. 
So this gentleman, Samuel, I want to talk about today. Samuel was living in a period where God was not talking to God's people. And God wasn't talking to his people because God's people were disobedient. It's called the silent treatment. See, I could take anything but silent treatment. I'm not very good with silent treatment. I, I don't know how to take it. So when we were courting, when we were dating, Pastor Eddie and I, he knows how to, in quote, you call it today, you call it shutdown, right? Then I didn't understand what it was. I'd never heard it in my life. So there was a particular word. He understood my language, but I didn't understand his language. So there is a particular word in my language that I, you know, it's a throw around word. I'm not even going to say it because if I say it, you're going to think I'm rude. But it wasn't meant in a rude format. It's just a throw around. One of those words, if you really like somebody, you just say it, you throw it around. But I'm coming from a culture that is relatively chilled. Whereas it's coming from a culture that is really tough with words. So when we're playing, and I throw this word about, or this word comes in, he gets all mad. Now, when he gets mad, he shuts up, as in stops talking. I don't know how to not talk to somebody, and then they just stop talking. Now, this is really weird, because there was no phone then. And I was talking to somebody yesterday, I think, and I said to her, when we were quoting, there was no phone. I said, how did you survive? I said, I don't know, but there were times there was no phone. Now, this gentleman would come all the way from his home, which is like, say, central London, to come and see me in Kent. And I would throw this word about, or I say this word, and he'd say, okay, I'm off. What? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going. Now, it would take us walking, like, from here to Slade Green Station to get to where the next bus stop is. And it will, will, I'll have to walk him. So I'll walk him to the place we'll be walking. And he will not say a word. I'm like, what weird guy am I just about to marry? I mean, do I even know what I'm doing? He just gives this silent, he just shuts down or shuts. What I used to call it was shut up. I never knew there's anything called shut down. And then he will go. And then maybe we're meant to meet next two days time. And he won't come. And then he will come three days time. And say, I didn't like what he said three days ago. I thought, kind of person is this? So I remember thinking, it's all good now that everybody goes to their home. If I have to live with this person, and they shut down. So I think he just walked, up, walked down and thought, this is not going to work. So he said he told himself one day, sat and I just looked at the object and said, this girl is a good girl. I am a good guy. <laughs> this language is causing barrier between us. So he sat me down one day and said, from now on what? Can we just keep it simple? Let's just speak only English. Let's not bother speaking your language. Let's assume I don't understand it, and let's assume you don't understand mine, okay? And also, this word, it's only one word. You won't believe it. But the problem of the word is, <laughs> it the word does not even mean a bit, well, okay. Depends on where you're coming from. So, but the word, when it's interpreted from my language to English, it becomes an insult. From English to his language, it becomes a massive insult. His database is processed in his language. <laughs> so, he hears insult, 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 insult. And just think, no, I can't do this. No, thank you very much. And then it goes away. And then you're now wondering, what word is that? It's not a swear word. It's the word in my language called Agbaya. But it's not meant. Okay, if you come from a home where you kind of throw the word about, give me your hand. Okay, so it's not only my home, right? <laughs> my younger ones, who are a good 10 years younger than me, have used it for me before. So it's that kind of, all right. Depending on the kind of home you come from. But I understood, I never grew from a home where anybody gives anybody silent treatment. We're at home, five girls and a boy, so if you're not happy, you talk. That's the way I grew up. 
However, he was coming from a home where everybody respected him and they don't talk to him anyhow. So saying that means talking to him anyhow. How can I deal with a wife that talks anyhow? That was the issue. So God was constantly giving his people silent treatment like that because they were not obeying him. Amos chapter, if you look at Amos chapter 8 verse 11. Amos 8, 11. The Bible made us understand, can I have the scripture, please? That the word of God was rare. Behold, the days are coming, say the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. A famine not of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing of the word of God. That is, I am going to so shut down on you if you stop doing what I say for you to do. I'm not going to send my word to you. So there's something called the famine of the word. There's something called God keeping quiet or being silent because God's people have done a thing or the other. So in the time that Samuel was, God had kept quiet. God had constantly, every so often, we send a messenger to Eli and the people, but people were doing what they felt like doing, from judges all the way to the book of 1 Samuel. And then God thought, you know what? This is not working. I'll just leave these people alone to do what they feel like doing. And then Samuel came, or God came. It's amazing that Samuel was serving in God's house, but Samuel didn't know God. You can serve in God's house and not know God. You could be raised in God's house and not know God. God, however, introduced himself to Samuel. Like he has introduced himself to you. And he's still constantly, like the scripture we read at the beginning, introducing himself to you. However, you can decide to obey or not to obey. We can decide to listen or not to listen. Until Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant hears. God didn't say anything. He just kept calling his name. And I don't know whether God is has been or he's calling your name and he wants to say something to you but you're too busy but you're too you're not listening or you're not hearing right or the hearing is distorted one way or the other you're on a completely different frequency from God so you're hearing so the frequencies are just um, intertwining into each other and we used to call it jamming so you can't hear properly in those days when you tune your radio when two frequencies are colliding, you can't hear anything. And whenever two frequencies collide in your life, you can never hear. You can't. Because it doesn't matter how clear one radio station is, the moment one is flowing into the other, you can never hear what one person is saying. Unless you choose to take time out to listen to God, the journey of life will become a frustration is a matter of time. Unless you take time out to actually listen out for what God has got to say, you can't grow in favor. You cannot walk in uncommon measure of favor. You can have favor. Maybe because somebody in your lineage has prayed for you. Somebody prayed that God should give back to you. The family member prayed for you. Some families, there's some families like that. They have sown so much into the kingdom of God that God cannot but bless their children and their children's children. It's a given. It happens. It looks like... Unfairness, but somebody has sown the seed. However, you cannot, unless you decide to fall in line and grow and get to know God for yourself, you can never go from, the, from that place of little amount of favor that you are displaying into a great amount of favor to the point where every word you speak will come to pass. So this gentleman, that's his background, Samuel. But I want to tell you a little bit. So I needed to tell you the background. Then let me tell you the barriers to listening to God's voice. I want to tell you about the barriers that some of us have when it comes to listening to God's voice. And the very first one is disobedience. Disobedience is conscious 
neglect of what God says. In, in the Garden of Eden, the children, Adam and Eve, the children that God gave back to decided to do their own thing rather than follow what God has to say. They chose to be disobedient. When I first got born again, I was told repeatedly by my disciple that God will only talk to you as far as the last instruction you obeyed. He made it very clear. And then he said to me, if you are a mother, I didn't understand what motherhood was then, but if you are a mother and you give, somebody, you give a child an instruction and they don't do it, would you give them a second one? No, you won't. So God will only speak to you as far as the last instruction you chose to obey. And that's the beauty of Christianity. You can choose what you like. Disobedience can stop you. It can be a big barrier to the great things that God has in stock for you. You want to go from little level to great level in God, from little favor to great favor. Yes, he had favor with men and God, but he had another level of relationship with God in chapter 3 towards the end, a totally different level, an, an uncommon measure he needed to take or get hold of and get rid of disobedience. You cannot consciously disobey God and expect God to keep blessing you. It doesn't work that way. You cannot consciously disobey your parents and expect them to keep blessing you. It does not work that way. The second one there is distraction. And Minister DJ mentioned it earlier when he was talking about Martha. And it's so easy to get distracted these days because we get bogged down with so many things that are not the real things. Now, Samuel could have been very distracted in the house of God. He was serving. I mean, he wasn't just serving, he was serving day and night. So much so that while he was lying down at night, God called him. He thought Eli called him. That is, that tells me that Eli had called him in the night before to do something for him. I mean, why would you think he called you if he hadn't called you before in the past? In fact, he kept going because he was sure that he was his master. That is, he was serving day and night. He laid down in the temple, but he was not distracted. He was not distracted. There is, I think, the biggest weapon that the enemy has against saints today is the, is the, is the weapon of distraction. It really is a big one. From telephone systems to television system, all forms of noise around you. I was... Um, I was reading about a particular room in America. There's a particular company that set up a form of technology and they say there's a room called the listening room. And that in that room, people go in there and you hear any sound, including your own breathing. And that they dare anybody to come into that town, somewhere in Minneapolis, I don't know where exactly, to come into that room and stay more than 45 minutes. That people can't stay more than five minutes. People cannot stay more than five minutes in a quiet place. Because you are so used to noise and distraction. I want to implore you that if you really want to be hearing from God's frequency ever so regularly, you have to get rid of distraction. I read a little exercise. It's not a joke. It's an exercise. I don't know if any of you have heard that exercise before about a driver. Have anybody heard about a driver that kept going from mile to mile picking people? Anybody heard that? Okay. So there's this guy. So let's say you decide to drive and you go from point A, where you are, you go three miles to the right, and then you pick ten people. Then you go five miles to the north, so right, which is like your, is that east or west? <laughs> huh? East. So you go three miles to your east, and you pick ten people. Then you go five miles to your north, and you pick five people, all right? And then you then come back to the south, 
and pick three people. How old is the driver? I'm sorry? How old is the driver? Thank you. How old is the driver? So you're thinking about the, not the south, the 10 and the 3 and the 2, but I said you are driving. The driver is you. So how old is the driver? How old am I? But did you hear that? Because I said they went to the north and to the south and picked two and picked three and picked, you are thinking about the two and the three and the four and all those things, and you're not thinking about the thing that is being said. And that's how we live our lives. There are so many distractions around us, it's unreal. I used to think distraction was in the world until I came to church. See, I, I was saying to someone yesterday, I never got as distracted in the world as I have been in church. Okay, I spent more of my life in church. Probably that's why. <laughs> than outside church. But Samuel could have been very distracted. The guys he was growing up with were misbehaving left, right, and center. They were the children of the rich man. They were the children of the authority. I was once in a place, and um, I was once in a place where our spiritual father is. And I saw the children of another gentleman. They are not even the children of my spiritual father. And they were flashing their own names around. And I'm thinking, the children of the man that actually owns this whole mission does not even mention their names. And here you are, you're going on, you know, do this and do that, and flashing your name about. And some of us are like that, you know. And Samuel could have been carried away with that because all Eli's children were flashing their names about, our dad is the king here, our dad is the big man here, so we can do what we like. And they were misbehaving. But Samuel decided not to. So he was not distracted. Martha was distracted by many things. I promise you there will be many things. There will be very many things that will distract you from hearing God's voice. I remember when I just had a little kid. I remember that I, I, I'm a morning person, so I pray in the morning. Anytime I want to pray, the baby starts crying. So first time it happened, second time it happened, I said to the baby, I said, I, I, before you came, I served God. You won't stop me. You are not big enough to serve, so stop me. So I will pray. You will cry. You won't die from crying. The first time I tried it, the baby cried the whole 30 minutes. It didn't stop. My mother-in-law kept coming because I stayed with them the first few weeks of having the baby. She kept coming to the room and thinking, something is that wrong with me or something wrong with the baby. So when we finished, I said to mom, I said, mom, don't bother coming in next time. I am praying. And this baby must understand that this is part of what mom does. I am not changing my lifestyle for this baby. This baby must be accommodated in my lifestyle with God because God gave him to me. Second time around, the baby cried 30 minutes solid. Third time around, I remember my father-in-law used to call him the crying baby. I even hated that name, so I needed to pray about that. So it made my prayer time longer. Like Pastor, Pastor Robert says, if you try me flesh, I'm going to pray longer. I mean, I didn't think I had enough energy to go longer anyway, but I kept going. By the end of that week, the baby stopped crying. Because I didn't change my routine for the baby. My question to you is, what is big enough to distract you? Because the intention of the enemy, like Mr. DJ said at the beginning, is to make sure that you don't hear God. If you don't hear God, you will be limited. If your listening is limited, you will be limited. There is no, it doesn't matter how great it looks, you'll be limited. It looked great for Samuel at the beginning. But Samuel did not know God. Do you know God? Or are you just in church? Everybody that sees him would think he knew God. He knew the word that he didn't know God. The next, this, the next one is disinterest. 
the things that are barriers that will not let us hear God's disinterest. See, there are times that we are disinterested. Now, people can't quite tell that you're disinterested. Let's look at a gentleman called Jonah. Jonah was well disinterested. He wasn't happy about what God was doing. But he was still amongst the people and he was considered a prophet. Nobody took his title away from him. But he was not interested because he believed that the way God was doing what he was doing was not the right way. <laughs> so because he's not happy with God's decision, God, how can you decide to help the people that you said you will not help? They don't deserve help. So he was disinterested in hearing what God has to say, so he started running away. For some people, the reason why you're not hearing God is that you're not interested. In fact, if you remember, Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant. Yes, God never said anything until he said, speak, Lord. If you're really interested in knowing, you will tell him, speak, Lord. The moment you're disinterested, and for whatever reason, it doesn't really matter what the reason is, the moment you're disinterested, you don't hear anything. In this walk, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of intentionality, a lot of devotion to hear from God because God wants to find out if you're genuine about looking for him. He says, anyone that is thirsty, we give water to drink. Are you thirsty? The next thing that I think could be a barrier for people is the whole issue of disconnection. Now, this is a great problem for people that have been in faith for a while. Disconnection. I remember my disciple used to say to me, never, never rest on the revelation of yesterday. He said it so much. I didn't even understand what he was saying because I didn't even have any revelation yesterday. <laughs> Anything will do. And if God speaks to me one word, I will still talk about you on the mountaintop. But he kept saying, but I never rest on the revelation of yesterday. Samson was disconnected and he didn't even know it. Many people were, you were, God used to speak to you. God used to show you things. God used to tell you things. But as time went on, you took God for granted so much and moved further and further away and God stopped talking and you got disconnected. The problem of spiritual disconnection is it's not usually obvious on the outside and it takes a while for people to see it. In fact, it took a while for even Samson to know it because he said, I will now arise in this strength that I've always had and I'll go back and I'll do what I used to do. Every time you are disconnected in the place of your fellowship with God, your, your, your ship is coming down, your, your plane is coming down, the ship is going for a crash. You need to watch out for that. The last one that I wanted to talk about there is disappointment. Disappointment. Every time you are disappointed in God, you don't really want to hear what he has to say because the last time he spoke to you, or you assumed he spoke to you, he didn't do what you think he said he was going to do. And I want to tell you, particularly those of us that have been walking with God for a bit, I want to tell you to be very careful with the word disappointment. Every time you're disappointed, I remember when I was a younger believer, a younger person, not a younger believer, a younger person, I used to say, I used to, I mean, I have so much faith in people, it's unreal. I, actually, my default position is everybody's great and doesn't matter where I'm looking at it from. Everybody's always great. So I get disappointed ever so quickly. And I remember I would say, I would say to Susan then, uh, Pastor Eddie then, uh, I'm so disappointed, I can't believe this person did this. And he would say to me, did they appoint you? Nobody appointed you. God did not appoint you to be judge, jury, and executioner. So why are you disappointed? For a believer that has been going on for a while, I want to urge you to be careful with the barrier of disappointment because disappointment will not let you hear God clearly anymore. If you really look at the reason why God went to look for Samuel, pick all of these things one after the other. Eli suffered from them. Go back and read about Eli. 
He suffered from distraction. He suffered from disappointment. He suffered, he suffered a lot from disconnection from God. He suffered from disobedience as a father. I want to plead with you. I want to speak to you. Now, when it comes to moving up with God, when it comes to listening to God, you have to deal with those things. But why Samuel? I realize a few things about Samuel. So let me just tell you a few basic things about Samuel. Just three things I wanted to talk about. I remember that I was looking, uh, when I was uh, in, in our previous church, my pastor used to say the man that God will use, the man that God will use must be a man that is F-A-T, fat. Not fat physically. He, say, he used to say, he's a man that is going to be faithful. He's a man that will be available. And he's a man that will be teachable. And actually look through those things. Those are the things that made Samuel stand out. Just in that phrase that he said. So I decided to put my own twist to it because I thought if you say fat, it might not be politically correct. <laughs> so I thought Samuel was a man that decided to follow God's way, W-A-Y. He was willing. He was attentive and he was yielded. Willingness, attentiveness, yieldedness. W-A-Y. Willingness. He said, speak, Lord. I am willing. Ladies and gentlemen, God will not speak to you if you're not willing. Willingness means it doesn't matter what you say, I will listen to you. Many of us are not willing to hear what anybody else has got to say about any matter that we have made up our minds about. Um, I remember as a young kid, I heard it repeatedly said, listen, bolanle, listen, bolanle, listen. And I can still hear the instruction from my childhood because I didn't used to listen. I wasn't, I was never a willing listener, stroke participant. Because before I even get into a place, I've already made up my mind. So by the time I'm sitting down there, I'm thinking, it shouldn't be this way. It should be this way. So you're talking about it this way. My mind is saying it should go that way. Unless you are willing, you cannot get anything out of God. God can't speak to you. The Bible says, if, unless you're willing and obedient, you cannot eat the good of the land. You need to be willing. For God to speak to you, you've got to have willingness in you. That guy, until he said, God, speak, God didn't say anything. Are you willing? I had an aunt, my, my dad's sister. She was an illiterate, but she was a tradeswoman. She, was ex, she still is, she's an illiterate. But she was a tradeswoman. She was very successful in her trade. So I used to leave our town and go to spend holiday times with her. And she noticed something about me. She said, Bola, she said, you are willing to learn. Now, I had, I had never traded I never had any reason to trade, but I was with her. She was trading. She was a successful trader. I said, you're willing. And she would sit me down in the evenings, rather than go to watch TV, and show me this is how to trade. Now, she was not educated, but she was very successful. There was nothing she sold that didn't work. Now, I was coming from a home of professionals. My parents didn't trade that I was aware of when I was younger. So she was the only one I saw that traded and she was very successful. Everything I know as my basics for trading, I learned from her. And I remember she would say, you're so willing to learn, I can't wait to teach you. Now, she was not educated, but she would teach me in the way she knows to. And she taught me how to turn a pound to two, how to turn two pounds to four. How to, and I saw that in different areas. So when P.E. says, we have done so much commerce and it could be anything, anything, anyway." It's coming from somewhere there is a root, willingness. When you're willing to learn, 
God cannot but pour into you. When you're willing to listen, God cannot but talk to you. This old, God is not talking to me. You're not willing. The next thing, you're not attentive. Now, the devil knows that you need to be attentive to get anything out of God, so we create loads and loads of distractions. You're not attentive. Uh, we used to sing the song when I was younger. God has something to say. Listen, listen, and pay full attention. I remember the, the, my Sunday school teacher, she would say, I'm going to drop a word, and the word will give you reward. She would say a word to give reward. I remember very clearly. And she would just be talking of something, so she could, I don't know, the word can be the word money. She would be teaching about something that has nothing to do with money, and at some point, everybody would be playing, jesting, and doing one thing or other. She would just drop that word, and anyone that is attentive enough to catch that word at that time gets a reward from her. If you are attentive, God cannot but reward you. If you're not attentive, God can't give you his word. I have said it here numerous times. Now, when I just started out my walk with God, and I was told that God speaks to people and they hear, I was desperate to hear God. I really was desperate to hear God. I needed to, amongst many things, I was working with two other guys, Pastor Saiwo and Kenny Adeshuba, who constantly posed about how God speaks to them, which is even weird, because you don't pose about how God speaks to you. But that was what we traded. What did God say to you this morning? What did God say to you? And we're teenagers, so you can imagine. So they were trading in, in quote, revelation. I don't even understand. If I'm looking back now, I just think it's... You know. So I wanted to show off, <laughs> which is all wrong. But I think God just understands you at whatever level you were. I was desperate to hear God because they heard God. I was desperate to show off because they were showing off. And as time went on, I was desperate to do. It was more than just hearing. Because it's one thing to hear, it's another to do. In fact, I remember my disciple, I used to say that the more you know, the worse for you. <laughs> so I used to say, God, don't tell me anything. Because I don't want to do If I don't want to do, then at least nobody holds me responsible for what I don't hear or do. Which is the third, yieldedness. This guy was willing. God picked him out. This guy was attentive. God could rely on him. This guy was yielded. Speak, for your servant is listening. Can you say that to God? Can you really tell God, speak, for your servant is listening? Supposing the word does not come straight away, would you have gone before God speaks? If you remember Elijah, when he was on the mountain, different things kept happening, but God was not in it. But he was still waiting for God. Will you wait for God? Will you wait for God on that issue, or would you go ahead? Because it's a reasonable thing to do. Will you really wait for God? Can you be comfortable enough to tell somebody, I am still waiting on God, he hasn't spoken concerning this matter? Because God speaks. Don't be deceived. Don't assume we're all at the same level. God does speak to people. So I decided to look at building blocks for hearing God's word. What practical ways or what practical things can you put in place to make sure you hear God's word regularly in your life? Just five things I wanted to say as I finish. The first one is the message, which is the scripture, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. The message or the word of God. If you read the word of God, you get to know how God speaks. You get to understand God's language. The more comfortable you are, can I have Matthew 4, 4? The more comfortable you are with the word of God, the more comfortable you will be with the way God speaks. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As a younger believer, my disciple used to tell me, every time you put any food in your mouth, get the word of God. That was my discipline. Anytime, either I don't eat or I eat the word. Anytime you put food in your mouth, 
get a scripture. And I remember reading it in one Kenneth Hagin book as well. So for every time he eats breakfast, lunch, or dinner, the word of God. Are you conversant with the word of God? Are you comfortable with it? Do you read it? That's the first place God will talk to you from. The word of God. How? I'll talk about that next week. The second one, meditation. Or staring at the word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. The more you stare at God's word, the more you see things that are hidden in it. I have I've seen so much in this same scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 3, in the last few days. I sat there and I thought, somebody, somebody had vision because another person lost vision. I never saw that before. Samuel's call was a solution to Eli's problem. I never saw that before. Eli needed to have a problem for Samuel to walk into what God had for him. I never saw that before. Eli needs to lose vision for Samuel to gain hearing. I never saw that before. The more you stare into God's word, the more you see into God's word. The more you stare into God's word, the more you see of what God is saying. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says you should meditate upon the word of God day and night. By it you will make your way prosperous. Amazing. God is not the one that is going to make your way prosperous. You will based on the word of God that you store inside of you that you stare on or you stare at. And I said to you, don't rush to read 10 chapters. Read one chapter, but stare at that one chapter all day long. Think through one thing in that chapter. For me, this whole week has been, and Samuel dwelt in the house of the Lord, and he did not know the Lord. That's the best thing for me all through this week. He was in God's house, he didn't know God. So every time I came into God's house to work, because I walk here Monday through to Thursday, and I'm here for service on Friday. Basically, I come here six days out of seven in a week. I, I walk through the door, I say, God, I must know you. I will not be like the Samuel that did not know you, yet he was living in your house. He was lying down in the temple. Everybody thought he was a church boy, but he didn't know God. Stare at God's word. That's meditation. The third one is mentors, and that comes out through service. First Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. There is no better way to get to understand the voice of God than the interpretation of a mentor that you have around you. Please get a trusted mentor. And I, I say this. Don't pay lip service to it. Anybody you will not listen to, don't, please, they're not your mentors. Don't bother. You don't want to listen to them, they're not your mentors. Don't pay lip service to it because it's about your destiny. It's not about them. They're not your parents. They're not your mentors. If you're selective with listening, please don't do it. Because Eli was a genuine father to Samuel. Why? Because Samuel chose to serve him. In fact, the Bible did not say Eli do any, did anything. He didn't do anything. Did you notice that? He just spoke the word and then the boy was born. And then the, the mom's boy brought the boy to the house. And Eli, if he was a rubbish dad to his children, I promise he was a rubbish dad to Samuel. Because he didn't know how to do it. Why would he treat Samuel any differently? Why would he treat Samuel to be a good guy and then make sure his own rots away? Nobody would do that. So that means he just didn't know how to be a father. So he didn't do a great job, but Samuel was a great mentee. So God could not but honor Samuel. It wasn't Eli that was honored. So when you look at a proper mentoring relationship, it, the only thing he told, he said, oh, I know what's going on. That's how God used to speak to me. Because he was fading away. But he knew how God used to speak to him. So he said, go back, and when you hear this voice again, say it like this. And that's the same thing with a genuine mentor. 
A genuine mentor has experienced God, has seen God, and they can say to you, that's how I did this when I got to this point. The reason why we have mentors, so we don't make the mistakes they made. Some of us are very good at making mistakes, and we love to make our mistakes, and we love, and we enjoy it. And that's fine. Good luck, because at the end of the day, it's your life. I used to say to somebody, I said, battles of life, the truth, you will win it. That's the baseline. If you're a believer, there will be battles in life. The truth, you will win. But man, you will waste time. You will win with a lot of bruises and a lot of wasted effort and a lot of wasted time. Why do you have to go through things when somebody else has already gone through it? A mentor made a difference in this man's life. There are two more, but I don't have enough time to do that today. Next week, I'm going to finish, all things being equal, and also I'm going to share with us how to discern when the Lord is speaking to you. Because the guy said, speak, Lord, for I am listening. But he didn't know until somebody told him what to look out for and what to say. Rise to your feet, we're going to pray. If you want to enjoy uncommon favor that grows, because favor grows, that is bigger as time goes on, to get to a point where every word you speak comes to pass, you've got to be in a particular type of relationship with God, a listening one. I want you to pray for yourself tonight and say, Lord, open my ears to hear you. Job chapter 33, verse 14. Open my ears to hear you, O God. Let's have that scripture back up. It says, God is speaking in every way. For, my, for God, many speak in one way, or God speaks in very many ways. It's another version. One way or in another. I want you to pray that, Lord, open my ears to hear how you speak to me. God speaks to us differently. But open my ears to hear how you speak to me. Speak to me through your word, O God. Speak to me as I meditate on your word, O God. Speak to me through the mentors you've put around me, O God. Give your instruction to me. Give me grace to obey what you're saying to me. Give me grace to follow through on the instructions you've given to me. I don't know what instruction God has given you, but I know that if you obey it, it will reveal more and more of himself to you. It will take you to a better and a bigger place in him. I want you to just pray for yourself. Say, God, today help me. Help me to be able to follow and be truthful to this call that you have called me to. The grace to listen. The grace to listen. The grace to be genuine in my pursuit of you in the name of Jesus. The Bible says of Samuel that he did not know God. God, I want to know you. I want to be more like you. I want to walk into that which you have prepared for us. Lord, we receive that grace in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word has come. We will unlock the uncommon grace and the uncommon favor and the uncommon blessing that you have in store for us. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed.